right, well, thank you for singing this evening. I do appreciate you coming out this, tonight and uh, braving the cold weather, the wind to get here. I was told there was talk of snow happening in the next hour, so we'll see what, what, that, what that does. Uh, Pastor is away. He's gone out to see his uh, grandchild, so we're excited for him to do, be able to do that. So he's left me in charge here, so if the church burns down, you're looking at the guy whose fault that is. <clears throat> we're going to be in Hebrews chapter number 11 this evening, Hebrews chapter 11. Been teaching through uh, this book in a teen Sunday school class. We've been uh, working through it. And we just finished on Sunday, Hebrews chapter uh, number 11. And uh, we're talking about the Hall of Faith here and all the men who, and men and women who had lived by faith. And we see God's faithfulness there. Uh, and that despite whatever direction the Lord took them through uh, feats of great accomplishments or through the, you know, the depths of despair, those who live by faith, um, God uh, gave them, gives them a good report. And as I was teaching through that lesson, um, Hebrews 11:38 really stuck out to me. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. And that, that line there is kind of the springboard from which um, that we will be discussing tonight. Uh, so Maddie, I know, oh, you weren't in teen class this morning, the Sunday, but uh, the teens will still, uh, this is a different lesson than I taught on, on Sunday. Um, and we're going to look at Hebrews 11. Uh, we start in verse, uh, let's start in verse 32. So he's gone through a whole list of different people, Moses, Noah, Enoch. Uh, and then he gets to a list here. He just starts running out of time. And in verse 32 he says, And what shall I more say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, of Barak, and of Samson, of Jephthah, of David also, and Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword out of weakness, were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and the others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, uh, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And other had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, uh, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword, they wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and in caves, dens and caves of the earth, and all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. Let's pray, and then we're going to dive into uh, to our lesson tonight. Father, this evening you have given us um, your word, and we have uh, taken time out of the week to meet together, to study your word, to encourage one another, to pray together. Uh, Lord, I pray that you would um, meet with us and teach us and, um, and answer our requests that we bring before you this evening. Uh, Lord, I pray that as um, our human reasoning often um, clashes with what your word has said, Lord, I pray when the, two that, when the two are at odds that we would um, yield our position and uh, take, take on the position that you have said in your word and that we would live that out. Uh, Lord, uh, we are looking forward to what you are going to do tonight, and we praise you um, for the God that you are. We ask these things in your name. Amen. Have you ever had a time in your life when you've had to you know, stop what you're doing and rethink, uh, rethink the situation? Uh, maybe um, you're going along and something changes, and now you have to approach the situation a little bit differently. There was a family at my dad's church, uh, Craig and Jody Quick. They own a construction company. Uh, Craig, he does a lot of the bidding, uh, getting the work, lining that all up. Uh, but Jody, she does a lot of the office work, getting the, the payrolls, getting the, the book work, uh, all of that stuff. And if you know Jody, she is not computer savvy. Uh, anything with a computer, that's beyond her uh, ability to think through and get that accomplished. And so she's been doing a lot of this book work by hand, uh, handwriting, uh, probably handwriting the checks and mailing those out, uh, doing the, uh, the accounting all by hand. And recently, they've hired my cousin to come help them because as they're getting older, um, starting to need to transition out of that, uh, out of that job. And Katie, or yeah, uh, Jenna. Jenna, she is 
a little younger than me, and she grew up with a computer in one hand and a cell phone in the other. And she's trying to help the company kind of come into the 21st century, into the digital age. And as Jody is working along with her, she's starting to need to make a transition to rethink, here's how she used to do it, but now trying to transition into the 21st century to rethink basically everything that they're doing. And instead of you know, handwriting the checks, they're figuring out how to do the automatic you know, direct deposit and um, figuring out how to do all the online spreadsheets and stuff like that. Uh, I know in my life, about 10 months ago, uh, a little over 10 months, we had a transition in our life. Riley was born, and my whole life had to be kind of rethought. How I approach my day has got to be uh, just, you know, changed. Uh, how I think about leaving the house is now different. I've got to make sure the diaper bag's changed. I've got to prepare a kid. we rethink that. I've got to rethink how I drive, how I schedule my day. All of this transition, this rethinking, uh, in order to accommodate the new, uh, the new way of living that I have to, to deal with now. I think sometimes, also, there is a, um, what happens is the old way of living still creeps into the new way of living. So I think of Jody as she's making this transition from handwriting everything, hand doing it, into the modern 21st century. She's still learning that, but the old ways, the old thinking still kind of creeps over. And so there's times where she, um, okay, she's got a computer now, she's typing stuff up, but she still prints it all out and then drives 30 minutes to deliver that. Instead of, you know, she's got a computer, just email it instead of having to take the 30-minute 30 dri 30 drive both ways. So there's an old way of thinking still creeps into uh, her new way of living. Uh, for me, if, if I were to uh, just come home like before Riley, I could throw my backpack on the ground and go change and um, come back out, and then my backpack would still be sitting there. But if I bring that old way of living into today, where Riley, I just throw my backpack in the living room, go change, come back out, all the contents are going to be spewed everywhere. The old habits still sometimes have a way of coming into uh, our, new, our new life. And I think that that happens the same with our Christian life as well. There, as a, at the point of salvation, there is a transition that happens. You are no longer in the kingdom of darkness. You have been translated into the kingdom of light. You are no longer a slave to sin. Uh, you are a servant of righteousness. There is a transition there. And with that, oftentimes we're in the new life, but the old habits still you know, sometimes come over. And we still, the old way of thinking creeps into uh, the new life that we have in Christ. And so sometimes it's good to step back and to rethink something, rethink, go back to Scripture and analyze what has God really said about a specific topic, a specific issue. Am I allowing the old way of thinking to influence the, the way that I'm supposed to be living now? And as you have your hand out there, hand out, um, the lesson of tonight is rethinking suffering. Rethinking the topic of suffering. Are we allowing the way that we think from the old man, the old nature, to creep into what we think about suffering as a believer? To give you a little bit of a roadmap to what we're doing tonight, we're going to first discuss what is suffering. Um, not going to spend too much time on that. We kind of know what suffering is. But let's just kind of define suffering, get a basic understanding. And then we're going to look at how does the world think about suffering? And the old nature, how does... How, how does this realm over here approach the topic of suffering? And then we're going to look at it from God's perspective. How does God approach suffering? What does he say about it? And then we're going to make some applications of rethinking. Am I dragging the old life into my new way of living, into what God has said? And do I need to you know, break down what my former thought processes were and rethink about the situation of what God has said? All right, so let's start in our notes. Uh, number one here is an overview of suffering. Let's get a basic definition down. Pulled this from, from a dictionary. What is suffering? It is to endure death, pain, or distress. Uh, two, to sustain loss or damage. Uh, number three is to be subject to disability or handicap. 
So when we think of suffering, we're approaching it with all this bad stuff that's happening. Pain, death, distress, uh, disability, handicap, loss, damage. Going forward to suffering, it's something that's not pleasant to go through. So what examples, and we'll open up for discussion here, uh, what examples do you know of in scripture, people that have suffered, or what has scripture said that we may suffer um, it, as being a Christian? Was it the disease of blood? Good? Yeah, so we see 12 years of suffering with a blood disease. What else? People who have suffered something or something that scripture says we will suffer. Job, yeah, we have a whole book about suffering. That, uh, Job, within the first you know, chapter, loses his family, loses his belongings, loses his cattle, his livelihood, his health. All of that just wiped out almost instantly. And then to top it off, uh, I love the phrase, miserable comforters are ye all. Uh, his friends didn't help the situation at all either. What else? Yes, yeah, suffering and being abandoned and uh, left out there as a sort of prison. So scripture has a lot of examples of suffering. Let me give you a list of uh, things that the scripture talks about suffering, what you can suffer. Uh, funnily enough, the first verse that comes when you type uh, suffer that kind of deals with this is uh, Proverbs 19, 15. The young lions do suffer hunger uh, and lack. Uh, Proverbs 19, 19, you can suffer punishment. Jeremiah 15, 15, you can suffer rebuke. Uh, 1 Corinthians 3.15, you can suffer the loss of eternal rewards. Uh, 1 Timothy uh, 4.10, you can suffer reproach. Hebrews 2.9, suffer death. Hebrews 2.18, uh, suffer temptation. Both of those are referring to Christ's death, Christ's temptation. Hebrews 11.25, suffering affliction. Hebrews 13.13, you can suffer adversity. And that's only just the, the key word suffer, if you expand that to affliction. Uh, and other words that would associate with the word suffering um, you just you're going to come up with a lot of material, and I've actually had to pare down what we can actually cover for tonight's lesson. And so this this topic of suffering in Scripture is not just glossed over. There's there's a depth of material there. Uh, so things we can suffer, uh, and this church has you know a number of people who are are suffering in this way. Uh, think of suffering injury or illness. Um, ridicule at work for being a Christian. Think of animosity of a family member, l the loss of a dear one. Uh, maybe you're suffering from a financial crisis. Maybe you're suffering uh, the attacks of the devil. Uh, many different types of suffering that we can go through. So what is suffering? It's to endure death, pain, distress, to go through a, a difficult time. Now creation, or um, Scripture is clear why we do suffer. So what, let's go to our, our next point here. Why do we suffer? Why is there suffering? Uh, Genesis 1. And your notes, what did God say about creation as he was creating it? It was very good. It's, it's pleasant. It's nice. It's, it's cooperating. It's functioning as it should. God and man have a perfect relationship. Man and man has a perfect relationship. Man and the rest of creation has a perfect relationship. They're all working together in harmony. That's how God made it to work. But Genesis 3.13, uh, let's turn to there. Genesis 3.13, you guys know the story of Ben and Church. Genesis 3.13, keep your, keep your finger in Hebrews 11, we'll be back there. Genesis 3.13, what was the result of the fall? And we see here that it is the curse. That Adam and Eve, they, they sinned, they ate the fruit. Uh, they've run from the Lord. God finds them and confronts them. And in Genesis 3.13, it says this, And the Lord God said unto the woman, what is, what is this that thou hast done? And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me, and I did eat. And the Lord God said unto the serpent, Because thou hast done this, thou art cursed above all cattle, above every beast of the field. Upon thy belly shalt thou go, and dust shalt thou eat all the days of thy life. 
I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Unto the woman, he said, I will greatly multiply thy sorrow and thy conception, and sorrow shalt thou bring forth children, and thy desire shall be to thy husband, uh, and he shall rule over thee. And unto Adam, he said, Because thou hast hearkened unto the voice of thy wife, and hast eaten of the tree, and hast commanded thee, saying, Thou shalt not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for thy sake, and in sorrow shalt thou eat of it all the days of life. Thorns and thistles shall bring forth to thee, and thou shalt eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of thy face shalt thou eat bread till thou return unto the ground. For out of it thou wast taken, for dust thou art, and unto dust thou shalt return. So very quickly here in uh, book of Genesis, just a few chapters, the curse happens, and we see all of this sorrow that is now going to accompany that choice, pain and childbirth. There's going to be relationship conflicts. There's death. There's um, difficulty in childbearing, difficulty at work. All this suffering has been introduced at the point of the curse, and it has continued till to now. Uh, point number three, uh, what is suffering? Where did it come from? Uh, number three, is all suffering equal? If the curse is here, we're all under the curse, does that mean we're all going to suffer the same? Is um, the amount of suffering that a person goes through going to be equal to another uh, amount somebody else is going to go through? And as we have experienced, that's not always the case. We see some people who, from the very point of birth, their life is marked by suffering all the way up until they, they die. It's just one pain after the next, one uh, point of sorrow to the, the next. Uh, we see other people who have relatively easy lives, that their suffering uh, is not to the, the extent of another person. Uh, so your two subpoints underneath this is, first, is the degree of suffering can be different. The degree of suffering might be different. Let's say I'm you know, standing at the pulpit here, I rub my fingers like this, and ow, I get a splinter. Right? I can complain about that splinter, it might bother me. But what is a splinter in comparison to, uh, let's say, Teresa, who's got this broken leg, right? The degree in which we're suffering is not the same. My little splinter, big whoop, right? Get over it, Daniel. But Teresa, uh, her, her leg is you know, bothering her for three weeks now, uh, suffering underneath that pain. Uh, second one is the duration, uh, how long you suffer. Uh, so if... The both of us got a splinter, mine lasts for a week, and uh, yours lasts for six months. Uh, that's a long time to suffer under a splinter, but the time frame is, is different. Mine goes away pretty quickly, yours suffer for a little longer, right? The same suffering, but yours is worse because the, 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 the time that you, you spend underneath that thing. And so suffering is not all, all equal. Some people do go through a majority of more suffering than somebody else. All right, so now we have an overview of suffering. What is it? Where did it come from? Uh, how it kind of plays out in a life, different degrees. But how does the humanity, how does humanity think about suffering? So our, our Roman numeral two here, humanity and suffering. The old way of living, just the natural man, when we approach um, suffering and our you know, unsaved condition, what, is that, what does that approach look like? How do we think about suffering, number one? How do we think about suffering? Do we prefer to suffer? Right? If, you're, if you're standing at a crossroads between not suffering and suffering, what do we prefer? I was just talking with Randy, and he worked on vehicle or underneath the tanks all day on the ice and you know, laying on his back under these vehicles. And then he finally decided, you know what, I'm done with this ice, and he got the tanks moved over to this dry patch uh, where he's not laying on the ice. Right? We don't prefer to suffer. If we can avoid it, we do. Uh, so turn back to Hebrews 11, and let me, let me show this to you a little bit further. All right, go to verse um, 30, uh, 33. All right, we have two, two kind of sets of lists here. Verse 33 says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, all right, pretty cool, wrought righteousness, bringing forth justice, obtaining promises, stopping the mouths of lions, pretty impressive, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness made strong, 
waxed valiant in flight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. A pretty impressive list. All right, here's the second half of the list. Others, tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they may obtain a better resurrection. Others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings. Yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. All right, let's say you're at the crossroads here, and God gives you a choice. Either you can, in a sense, take the high road, subduing kingdoms, shutting the mouth of lions, having your dead raised back to life, or you can go through the valley, be sawn asunder, go through trial of cruel mockings, uh, be destitute. You're at the crossroads. God gives you a choice. Which path are you going to take? What does the natural man want to take? He's kind of want to take the high road, right? I'm in. Shutting the mouths of lions, subduing kingdoms, dead back to life. Pretty impressive list. Sign me up for that. Right? We don't prefer to suffer. I, I can, you can think of this in a, you know, just common terms here. You're feeling like you might get sick. What do we do? We quick run to Walmart. We buy one of those vitamin C boosters to try to avoid actually getting sick. We feel it coming on, might be there. Let me down some vitamin C so I can avoid the sickness. Uh, we could talk about vaccines. There's potential of getting um, all these kind of diseases. Give me a vaccine. Let me avoid uh, avoid the uh, the concert, the uh, uh, the uh, the diseases. All right. We have here's potential suffering. If we can scoot to the side and let that pass me by, sign me up. Get me out of there. All right. So if it's coming at us, let's avoid it. Now, what if you can't avoid it and you end up going through suffering? What are we typically trying to do? Get out of it. I think of medicine. The other day, I went uh, Sunday night, went home, major migraine. What did I do? I took some headache relief, my, uh, ibuprofen, to get rid of that headache. Why? I'm suffering. Let me get out of this, this uh, suffering as quickly as possible. Uh, insurance. Um, this is the potential of suffering happening. My house burns down. I've got insurance. Uh, that way, if my house does burn down, then the suffering that I'm going to do is, is going to be okay because the insurance company will pay for that. Right? If, we're, if suffering is coming at us, let's avoid it. If we're in suffering, let's get out of it as quickly as possible. Right? We don't like suffering. We want to do everything we can to avoid it or get out of it. Let's turn this a little bit. Number two, how does the world treat sufferers? So a person who is suffering, how does a, the, uh, the unsaved, the old way of thinking, cause us to treat other people? All right, so we've got some examples here. How about a biblical example first? Think of lepers. How did society in the Bible, Bible times, treat those with leprosy? People who were suffering this disease. Say again. Outside the camp. Get away from me. I don't want you around. You're not worthy to stay inside next to me. How about a historical account? Uh, how did Hitler treat the mentally and physically disabled? I know we go to Hitler all the time. Sina razzed me about that this afternoon. Uh, just a, an example that we can easily go to. Euthanasia, right? Let's kill them off. Let's get rid of them. Uh, here's people struggling, suffering with mental or physical disabilities. You're not worthy to live. How about a modern example? How has social media influencers, how have social media influencers treated the poor? And I'm just going to explain this one because you're probably not going to track my thinking. Uh, you can call me cynical if you want. Uh, I'll accept it. Oftentimes, you'll see a video come across Facebook, Instagram, whatever. Say it's a guy, homeless guy, hungry, and this social media influencer, he goes out, buys a $10 pizza, and films himself giving this pizza to, uh, to this homeless guy. And as we're watching it, our hearts are kind of warmed and fuzzy, like, oh, what a, what a nice person that is. Now, in my cynical mind, here's how I, how I think this is playing out. 
instead of a really an act of kindness, what this guy is doing is bolstering his own name, taking advantage of somebody who's suffering. Let me video it, post it online so everybody can see how generous of a guy I am. Uh, financially, if that video were to go viral, the guy spends 10 bucks for a pizza, gets all these views, it's possible he gets 100, 1,000, $10,000, depending on how viral this video goes. So you can think of it like this guy's suffering, he's down on his hands and knees. Okay, now that you're down, let me use you as a ladder to step up my social game, my financial game. I know, cynical mind of mine, but this is how we uh, approach, uh, approach those who are suffering. Let me take advantage of you who are already down. How about a personal example? Let's get intimate right here in, in this group here. Uh, pointing fingers at myself here. How do we treat the hard-to-love visitors? On Sunday, we had a visitor uh, who is suffering from potentially a few things, maybe um, mental disabilities, maybe suffering under the effects of uh, substance abuse. Kind of a, a difficult situation. Now, in our Christianese, we can walk up with a, hi, glad to meet you, nice that you're here. But in the dark recesses of our hearts, do we really treat them more like a leper? Yeah, it's nice to have you here, face, but yeah, why don't you just move along now? Well, you're not worthy to be with us. I know I had to confront my heart this week on that very issue. How do we truly feel about these hard-to-love people who are suffering? Humanity and suffering, it's, uh, we don't like to suffer. We want to get out of it as much as possible. We avoid it. How do we treat sufferers? We push them away. We kill them off. We take advantage of them. Uh, we give them this face of, we like you, but deep down, eh, we'd prefer you not to be around. Humanity takes advantage of sufferers. How does God view suffering? Point number three, God and suffering. So that's the old way of thinking. That's how an unregenerate mind thinks about suffering and sufferers. But we have been translated into the kingdom of light. We serve a new master. How does this master view suffering? How does God approach this very topic? Number one, how does God think about suffering? Letter A, do God's dearest ones get to avoid suffering? Now, I think of, you know, parenting Riley. I, I love Riley. I don't want him to suffer. If there's a way that I can avoid him going through suffering, uh, we do. We've blocked off the kitchen so he can't get into the, the kitchen knives and cause damage. Right? We wanna, you want to protect your child. But does God say, as a sovereign ruler over creation, you know what? You're my children. I'm just going to protect you. No suffering is going to happen. We've got a list here of people that I've brought out. Uh, obviously, this could, list could go on very long. Uh, we'll start with Christ. This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. Let's go to Isaiah 53. Uh, we all know this passage pretty well. It's the uh, passage of the coming Messiah. Isaiah 53 talks about Christ and what is his life going to be like. Isaiah 53. Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? In a second, I need to take a drink. Verse number two. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised, he is rejected of man, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, and we hid, hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs, carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. Uh, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the 
Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was brought as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shears is done, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the hand of the living, land of the living. For the transgression of my people was he stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Uh, because he had done no violence, neither was any deceit found, uh, deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put, uh, put him to grief. And when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, uh, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. For the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Christ, the beloved one, my beloved son, whom I'm well pleased, was not above suffering. Had, he didn't get a pass uh, through suffering. And Christ suffered uh, greatly, not just the cross, but his life. Job, we've already talked about Job. We're not going to read that passage. But Job, he was a person who feared God, eschewed evil, uh, an upright man. And very quickly in Job, we see the, uh, uh, the suffering that he encountered of all his belongings, all his health, just ravished. David, man after God's own heart. Uh, let's look at Psalm uh, 34, 19 very quickly. Psalm 34, 19 says, Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivereth them out of, him out of them all. David, um, though he had some suffering that he caused himself, uh, we see uh, he had a lot of suffering that he went through. Uh, think of Saul and all the enemies that, um, that were after him and these different situations that David had to go through. Uh, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, we'll go to 2 Corinthians 11.25. 2 Corinthians 11.25 talks about a list of things that Paul had gone through. Thrice was I beaten with rods, once I was stoned, thrice I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day I've been in the deep, in journeyings often, in peril, uh, perils of water, and perils of robbery, and perils of mine own countrymen, and perils by heathen, and perils in the city, perils in the wilderness, perils in the sea, perils amongst false brethren, and weariness, painfulness, and watching uh, often, and hunger, and thirst, and fasting often, and cold, and nakedness. Uh, Paul, uh, the guy who wrote most of the New Testament, uh, a servant of Jesus Christ, went through severe suffering as well. So don't think that as a Christian that we will get a free pass through suffering. If these people, if the Son of God went through suffering, then we are uh, to bound to suffer as well. Uh, just make sure that our suffering is for the sake of righteousness. As a Christian, uh, it is said that we will suffer persecution. Just by naming the name of Christ, the world is at odds with God, and by us... Um, taking allegiance with Christ, the world is at odds with us too. And in 1 Corinthians 4.13, here's how the world treats us uh, by ascribing Christ. We have been made as the filth of the world, the offscouring of all things until now. Right? The world looks at us like, you're gross. Get out of here. We don't want anything to do with you. Um, they they want to push us away. They're disgusting. Why would you ever want to follow Christ? Suffering, God's children does not get a pass on suffering. Letter B here, what is said about the sufferers in Hebrews 11? Those who suffers well, suffer well, what does God say about them? Here we have the chapter, Hall of Faith, talk about living a life that is pleasing to God by faith. Some, God takes on the high road, subduing kingdoms, shutting the mouths of lions. Some, God takes through those valleys, of uh, um, being tortured, not accepting deliverance, um, trials of cruel mockings. Depending on whatever route the Lord takes you, ours is to live by faith. But those who the Lord takes through those valley, 
and you live a life that is um, righteous through that. Verse 38 puts a little parenthesis clause here. It says, of whom the world was not worthy. That line is tagged with the sufferers in that portion of the list. Not the high road, the low road. It says the world is not worthy. If you think about this, this is a complete flip of what our natural thinking uh, would take us. Where the world would say, that's gross. Get me out of suffering. We don't want anything to do with it. Those who suffer, get away from me. You're not worthy of living in our society. God says, stop, flip that over. Society, you're not worthy to have the sufferers among you. The world, society, does not deserve to have you around. Now, it's just like the Lord to do this, right? To take our natural human thinking and to flip it on its head. Where we, we would say in our normal natural thinking, I need to work myself to God. I need to do all of these things in order to earn his appeasement. God says, I'm sending Christ to do it all for you. It's done. Uh, the world would say, there are many ways to heaven. That's our normal thinking. Yeah, God can't be too strict. There's obviously multiple ways. Scripture says, no, one and only way, through Christ. The world would say, follow your heart. God says, no, your heart is desperately wicked. Don't follow that. God's thinking and man's thinking are totally different. Man's thinking is one way, and God oftentimes is flip that, the complete opposite. So where mankind would say, ew, suffering, get away from me. God looks at those who suffer as well and says, that is a precious gem. That is worth value. Uh, that is a beautiful thing. Now, why do we think that something is unworthy? Right? We could, you know, if somebody were to give me the Hope Diamond, right, I would say, well, I'm probably not worthy to have that Hope Diamond. I'm clumsy. I often lose my keys. So how do you know I'm not going to lose the Hope Diamond? I'm not worthy to have that. I don't deserve it. Uh, if somebody were to, you know, give us, well, just think of salvation, right? We're unworthy of salvation. The, our character, our, our, our ways are not something that is deserving the value of, of salvation, right? We, we don't deserve it. Somebody who suffers well, somebody who goes through those depths, keeps their eye on Christ, who is walking with him, who uh, walk in righteousness through suffering, God looks at that and says, that's valuable, that's precious, that's wonderful. Society is not worthy to have those people around. So what does God think about suffering? We're all, we're not above suffering. We will suffer. And those who do suffer and go through that well, that is precious. That is wonderful. Remember, he doesn't say that about the high road. The society is not worthy to have them around. You know, trials or, or uh, you know, subduing kingdoms, that's not stated there. It's those who go through the depths where God says that. Number two, then, how does God treat sufferers? Society, how miserable we treat those who are suffering. Well, what does our God do about sufferers? Number one, uh, letter A, he draws close. He draws close. Think of, I'm going to use Lene and Riley as an example. Let's say Riley decides to get up on the couch and do a Superman dive off of it. He bonks his head on the coffee table on the way down and is laying on the ground crying. What does Mama do? All right, she's in the kitchen. Boom, she's out of there. She's running towards Riley. How long does it take? Right? The thunk happens. He hasn't even hit the ground yet, and Mama is already over there before he starts crying. Mama knows. Here's what's happening. When the suffering comings of this head bonk, Mama draws in close. She runs to him. That's what our God does as well. Let's look at um, our verse here, Matthew eleven twenty eight. Matthew eleven twenty eight.
in this verse, who does Christ call to his side? Who does Christ call to his side? Matthew eleven twenty eight. Come to me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Who's the call to? Those who are what? Labor and heavy laden. Those who have been worn down by life. They're under the weights and pressures of suffering. He says, come. Uh, let's look at um, uh, Psalm 25, 16. Psalm 25, 16. Psalm 25, 16 says, Turn thee unto me, and have mercy upon me. Why? For I am desolate and afflicted. He's making an argument. Lord, come and search out my problem. Have mercy on me. Here's the reason I think you should come to me. What is that reason? What is his plea? Is it, I'm just so great of a person that you need to have mercy on me? No, it's, I'm going through the, the depths here. I am uh, desolate. I'm afflicted. Look, what I find here in Scripture, our suffering is the access that we have to the, the Father. The, the reason that we're suffering, or the, the fact that we're suffering, the fact that we have uh, affliction and we're desolate, that's what calls God to our side. We have that access to Him. He loves to come and help those who are needy, those who are weak, those who are distressed. That suffering is access to God. We suffer. He draws in close. He invites us, come unto me, you who are suffering. So how does God treat sufferers? He doesn't push them away, get out of here, you know, go find somewhere else to live. No, he runs to their side. He, his heart is drawn towards the sufferer. He's not rebuked by it. He's not uh, appalled at suffering. He draws close. Uh, letter B. What else does God do to treat sufferers? He comforts them. He comforts them. Now when Riley bonks his head, Mama runs over. Does she just hover over him like this? Come on, suck it up. No, picks him up. <laughs> Maybe. That's what Dad does. And I've done that. And Lene comes running over, pushes me aside, like, get out of here. Picks him up, holds him close, plants a few soft kisses on his forehead, whispers into his ear, rocks him back and forth, if he's bleeding, applies wounds, or applies wounds, applies dressings to those wounds, right? Comfort, whatever those the, he needs. Mom's there to uh, console that. Uh, let's look at 2 Corinthians. Our, both of our verses are there. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 7, uh, 5. Or 7, 5 through 7. 2 Corinthians 7, 5 through 7. For when we were come to Macedonia, our flesh had no rest, but we were troubled on every side. Um, uh, with, without were fightings, within were fears. Nevertheless, God that comforted uh, nevertheless, God that comforted those who are cast down, comforted us by the coming of Titus. Uh, and not by his coming only, by, by the consolation wherewith he was comforted in you uh, when he told us your earnest desire, your mourning, your fervent mind towards me. Uh, so that I rejoice the more. Who does God comfort? He comforts those who are cast down. You qualify. If you would consider yourself to be cast down, if you would consider yourself to be a sufferer, you qualify for God's love, God's mercy, God's care. Uh, turn back to chapter 1, 3 through 5. These are some of my... Uh, my favorite verses in all of Scripture. 2 Corinthians 1, 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforted us in our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort them that are in any tribulation, by the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, our consolation also aboundeth by Christ. Now this verse, when sorrow abounds, what also abounds? Comfort. When our, our life, the, the, the situation just escalates and we are in the, the depths of despair, the mercy and the love of Christ rises with that. 
And as we see um, deeper and darker trials, we're drawn further and further into the love of Christ um, as he displays his love to us in those, those sorrows. So look, the, the fact that we are sufferers, the fact that we go through these trials makes us candidate for this love, uh, for this uh, wonderful care of our Savior. We don't have to be, um, uh, we don't need to like, boast ourselves, hey, look how great I am. The Lord does not call the proud to himself. He calls the humble, those who are low, those who have been mistreated, those who, um, those who are uh, in the pits, that's who God draws close to. That's where he shows his mercy. So our natural way of thinking, ew, gross, get away from suffering, sufferers, just get out of here. God views it as, what a precious thing. You suffer well. And those who do suffer, he draws close. He displays the depths of his love in those situations. Now let's kind of bridge the gaps in our application here. Do we need to do some rethinking? On suffering. In this study, that's exactly what I've had to do. Rethink. What do I actually think about suffering? Number one, evaluate what I really think about suffering. Do, do my thoughts about suffering align with what God has said in his word? I challenge you, go home, look up those words, suffering and affliction, and see what has God said on those topics, and how he comforts, how he comes to aid those who are distressed. Do I believe that? Uh, letter A underneath that, how do I respond to suffering? Am I complaining through the whole thing? Uh, do I work it out to where I can just get out of this suffering as quickly as possible? Uh, do I rage and anger when suffering comes? I think uh, letter B, this is where I think it's revealed most. How do I pray in regards to suffering? When we go through the bulletin, do our, um, uh, the prayer sheet, the, do our, our conversation with the Lord say, Lord, get that guy out of trouble, get that guy out of trouble, get this guy back to health. I'm not saying that's necessarily wrong, but how can we pray more in lines with, Lord, show them the depth of your love through this trial. Number two, bask in God's love during suffering. Uh, letter A, do I look for God in my suffering? It's a typo. Look for God. Do I look for God in my suffering? And when that trouble comes in the afternoon class, um, Bobby Atler uh, talks about, you know, when I suffer, and when our family, we like to make a big deal out of it. I get that splinter, but everybody knows. Uh, uh, everybody's got to know about how awful I am, right? That's what we like to do in suffering, uh, complain and let everybody know. But when that trial, when that suffering comes, are you looking for God? Here's a sufferer. The Lord swoops in and uh, draws close. Are we looking for him in that time? Are we too busy complaining? Uh, letter B is, do I let him comfort me? Now, there's been a few times where Riley's bonked his head. We've picked him up, drawn close to him, and he's just pushing away. You know, Get me. I don't want comfort right now. Is that what we do with God is push him away? Number three, uh, show others the same love God has for sufferers. The world treats sufferers with, you know, get out of here. God draws close and wraps his arm around them. Uh, do we, we ought to do the same thing. The love that God has for sufferers, we show to sufferers as well. Letter A is, do I treat sufferers like the world but masked with Christ? Remember, I'm pointing my, the fingers at myself here. Uh, the individual that came, and I had this mask of, hey, so glad that you're here. But the depths of my heart were not as concerned as I should be. Do we treat people that way? Letter B, uh, and on that, I am impressed with, uh, there are several family members of our church who uh, were very helpful in, in that situation. And I did see the depths of Christ's love being displayed to that person through our church family. Uh, letter B here is, do I draw close uh, or am I repulsed? When we see sufferers, do we just like, well, let me just scoot away here, sneak out the back door. Do I comfort or offer vain words? You know, that again, that just 
you know, you're just saying stuff to kind of appease the situation, but you're not really searching to make a difference there. On your um, page, on the front and back, on the bottom sections, I have left you with some quotes. I am reading through a book. Uh, it's called The Loveliness of Christ. I got it for Christmas. Uh, it's a guy by the name of Samuel Rutherford, and he uh, was an older preacher um, that went through some of the depths of suffering. Uh, he's very experienced in suffering. Uh, I think if I remember correctly, he married, his wife died. He married again, his wife died. Uh, the children that he had with those, uh, those wives, um, most of them died before him. I think he suffered a, a disease, illness, and he died young. Uh, so he knows what the depths of suffering are. Um, and this book, it's, I thought it was going to be like a discourse on uh, the loveliness of Christ. And it turns out that it's, uh, somebody has gone through his works and pulled quotes from all over the place. And so it's basically the cream of the crop of his, of his writing. So they've done the hard work. So I have to read you know, thousands of letters that he's written. They've got the cream of the crop. And so th these quotes come from this book, Samuel Rutherford. Uh, and I like these quotes. Uh, number one on the front page, Christ is kindest in his love when we are at our weakest. I find his sweet presence eateth out the bitterness and sorrow of suffering. And our last one here, scar not, or don't be afraid, don't be scared. Scar not at the suffering for Christ, for Christ has a chair and a cushion and sweet peace for a sufferer. Let's pray, and then we'll be dismissed. Well, actually, we'll, we'll do, do praises and prayer requests. Father, we thank you for this evening that you've given us your word um, and uh, have confronted my normal way of thinking and um, have uh, showed me that suffering is a, is a way that you reveal yourself to us. We experience the, the warmth, the intimacy, of your embrace in our suffering. Uh, Lord, may we be people who suffer well when the trials come. We keep our eyes on you. Lord, as we encounter other, others who are suffering underneath uh, the load of life or the weight of sin, uh, may we quickly run to them and embrace them and comfort them as they need comfort. Uh, Lord, the comfort that you show us, may we pass on to those around us. Uh, Lord, we ask these things in your name. Amen.